are on air for Fan for Racing's NASCAR Weekend Preview with Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining me for tonight's show is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. And it's a big weekend of racing, especially for the Cup Series as they hit their cutoff and enter into the playoffs. Yes, indeed. And uh, we're going to watch both the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, They'll end their season at Daytona International Speedway this weekend. And then the Xfinity Series is still winding down their season uh, with uh, Daytona this weekend as well. And we'll also be talking about the Arca Menard Series along with the Arca East series racing at the Milwaukee Mile and Jay that one is also a Shoes Chief showdown event another one where we got two series three different point standings all at one track and what a track it is the Milwaukee Mile is another one that I would love to see maybe back on the trucks or Xfinity series schedule even the cup series if it came to that uh, as far as a short track I would love to see that yeah, that that would be awesome. Uh, now, we're going to start off talking about uh, a few updates from the ARCA West. They are not racing this weekend, but we'll give you all the details of when their next race is and uh, give you some updates uh, briefly. Then we're going to get into that race at the Milwaukee Mile for the ARCA Menard Series and the ARCA East with points for those two series plus the Sioux Chief Showdown. Next, we'll update the NASCAR Truck Series because they also are not racing this weekend. They had their first race of their playoffs last week, and now they're on a break. Then we're going to preview the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the Cup Series season finale at Daytona International Speedway. Well, and that is going to allow us to know which driver is going to fill that last spot into the playoffs at week 16? Going to be interesting. We know Kevin Harvick is safe now, but you mentioned it. We have one more spot to fill. Points-wise, it comes down to Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon at Richard Childress Racing, but they could both be knocked out. Not only could they knock each other out, they could both be knocked out by a new first-time winner outside the top 16. So, and that's definitely possible at Daytona. We all know that. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. That is definitely possible at Daytona. So, uh, definitely stay tuned for our preview. And then at 10 o'clock, we're going to get into our hot topic sound off. And it's going to be the three amigos tonight because we've got you, me, and Andy tonight for NASCAR Hot Topics, the original three. Well, I, th- I really think Mike is dodging me. I know we, we get, didn't get to a topic I wanted to discuss with him last week, and now this week we almost have to as there was a little bit of a hint at it for Noah Gregson and what his future holds. So I think, I think Mike's dodging me. <laughs> well, it will be interesting. Uh, I can't wait to talk about it on Hot Topics at 10 o'clock tonight. Okay, let's go ahead and get into the Arkham Menard Series West. Uh, as I mentioned, they are not racing this weekend. Their next race is going to be on September the 11th 
and that's going to be the Grand P at the Grand Prix of Portland, uh, the Portland 112. And uh, that's kind of exciting because this is kind of a new track as well, Portland International Raceway. Uh, they'll be racing at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific time, and it is going to be available on NBC Sports Gold's track pass. But you'll also be able to listen at ArcaRacing.com as they provide radio coverage as well. Uh, and you can follow along with the action as well at Race Central at Race ArcaRacing.com. So uh, exciting uh, race coming up for the Arca West. It is. And when we talk about the West Series or, or the East Series with these young drivers, sometimes it is a lot of times first time for them to see a track. But the teams have so much knowledge there and the, what they bring as far as the setup. So a new track provides that it's new to the teams as well uh, on the West Coast there in Portland. Uh, going to be interesting then to see how that plays out for the Arkham and Art Series. Like I said, leans a little more on the teams themselves then that have some notes to build on, but also which drivers can adapt to it uh, quicker than anybody else. So driver experience does obviously play a, a factor as well. It certainly does. And in, in this series, we have uh, 10 drivers that have raced all five races. Uh, and the point spread from first to 10th, happens to be 54 points, and there's a tie for 10th place, actually 9th place. So the guy who's sitting in 11th place is only two points back from that. So do you want to go over the series point standings? Because this is going to be fun to watch the second half of this group. It has. Jesse Love has taken control. I don't want to say dominantly, but picked up a second victory, so now has two wins out of the five races, has three top fives and four top tens, but that's only garnered him an 11-point lead over Cole Moore. Uh, Minus the wins, the stat line reads the same, three top fives and four top tens, 11 points back. Jake Drew in third, the same situation, three top fives and four top tens, and sits 14 points back. Now he's in a tie with Todd Souza, but based on only Todd Souza having one top five and five top finishes, the top uh, finishing position gives him that tiebreaker. But he's also sitting at 187 points, 14 back from the 201 of Jesse Love. Now, fifth place, Paul Pedronacilli Jr. does have two top fives, but only three top tens. Uh, He's 20 back, six on back. There you have Joey East, who did have a victory, Three top fives, three top tens is 21 back. Trevor Huddleston, uh, no top fives, surprisingly, but four top tens puts him 27 back. Then we got Bridget Burgess, Takuma Koga, and Bobby Hillis Jr. They're at 47, and then the tie for 54 uh, points in ninth and tenth. A little bit further gap, and you see that in the top tens. They only got two out of the five in the top ten. Takuma Koga actually only having one. So that's where the gap is, and we mentioned that time in, week in and week out. Uh, eight races, I believe, on the West Series schedule. Uh, these drivers, those top tens matter. I mean, though, the one position can be the difference in the point standings here. Yes. So uh, this next race is an important one, and uh, it's going to be, uh, as I always say, very interesting uh, to see how it plays out. Uh, they still have a few other races left here. So 
Uh, let me look and see if we can see how, just how many races they do have left. Do you have? I'm going to look at the schedule here for the ARCA West. And okay, they have um, Portland International Raceway on September 11th. Uh, then they'll be going to the Bull Ring at Las Vegas September the 23rd. October the 9th, they'll be at All-American Speedway, and the season finale will take place on November the 6th at Phoenix Raceway. So four more races left uh, for this series to determine who their champion is going to be. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch, Jay. Okay, so yeah, they have a total of nine races. We're halfway through their season. And we, like I said, we've kind of seen the cream rise to the top, but no definitive advantage there. Uh, one race clearly could change that all. Absolutely. Okay, uh, we're going to get into now uh, the uh, preview for the race at the Milwaukee Mile. Uh, and we, you said it before, we've got two series, three points opportunities uh, with the Sioux Chief Showdown. And it's the Sprecher 150 at the Milwaukee Mile in West Ellis, Wisconsin. Uh, that's going to take place Sunday, August the 29th at 2 p.m. Central. That's local time, 3 p.m. Eastern. It is going to be a live, uh, available live on MAV-TV as well as the track pass on NBC Sports Gold. And, again, the radio is also available at ArcoRacing.com. Now, the track is a one-mile paved oval. They'll be, going a hundred, they'll be driving 150 laps to cover a distance of 150 miles. Now, they will have a practice at 10 a.m. local time, qualifying at 1130, and the race, again, is 2 p.m. local time, 3 p.m. Eastern. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to this one. Well, and I mentioned it's the past meets present for the Arkham Menard Series at the Milwaukee Mile. And Sunday, Spectre 100 or 150 at the famed Milwaukee Mile, which is in West Allis, Wisconsin, feels like an ode to the past. Yet in the present day, this is an event many circled on the calendars the day the 2021 Arkham Menard Series schedule was released. The Arkham Menard Series competing at the Milwaukee is a bit of a throwback in and of itself. The series last raced on the one-mile paved oval back in 2007 when all-time ARCA wins leader Frank Kimmel won his second at the track. Now, additionally, now the Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Mile. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's one of the oldest uh, operating motor speedways in the world, with the exception of the years that the U.S. was involved in World War II. The mile has hosted at least one auto race every year since, get this, Jay, 1903. That's amazing. So Sunday, That is Sergeant unbelievable. Arch- <laughs> it is. Uh, the race at the Milwaukee Mile, as we've mentioned, is a combination event with the Arkham and Art Series East. It's also round eight of the Sioux Chief Showdown. So three season-long series championship races are going to be impacted by the results of this 150-lap race. All right. You mentioned the broadcast will be live on MAV-TV, 
MAV TV Motorsports Network at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, and then the live stream available on NBC's Gold's Track Pass. Now, when we look at the entry list for Sunday's Sprecher 150, loaded with some of the best and drivers and teams currently competing on the Arkham Menards platform. All five drivers who won either the Arkham Menards Series or the East Series this year are entered in the Milwaukee Mile. But, of course, most eyes are going to be on Ty Gibbs and Corey Heim, especially after the events of this past weekend. That's right. The 18-year-old Gibbs and the 19-year-old Heim are tied on top of the Arkham Menard Series standings after 15 of 20 races. So this one is winding down, too, Jay. The last two events, uh, a Friday-Sunday doubleheader at Michigan and at the Springfield Mile and at the Illinois State Fairgrounds, epitomize what has been wildly competitive uh, as far as the title race is concerned all season long. Now, kids dominated Michigan only to watch Heim do exactly the same thing on the dirt at Springfield. So, obviously, neither Gibbs nor Heim has experience in the Arkham Menard Series at the Milwaukee Mile. Uh, they were four and five years old, respectively, the last time that the series competed at that track. Sunday's race is also going to feature, though, Sammy Smith, who's a Gibbs teammate at Joe Gibbs Racing, and the championship points leader in the East Series. The 17-year-old has a relatively comfortable 19-point lead in those standings, but after a crash and an 18th-place finish in the most recent East, East race at Iowa Speedway, he can't afford many more slips. Now, the Spectre 150 entry list, will also include Daniel Dye and Max Gutierrez, the only drivers not named Gibbs, Heimer, Smith, who have reached victory lane in either series this season. Two of the three defending champions on the Arkham and Art Series platform are entered at the Milwaukee Mile. Uh, so you've got the two-time reigning East Series champion, Sam Mayer, He's going to be racing for the Brett Holmes family-owned team. Holmes, of course, is the defending Arkham Menard Series champion. And fresh off his victory at Irwindale Speedway just last weekend, the defending Arkham Menard Series West champion, Jesse Love, is also going to be in the Sprecher 150 uh, competing for Venturini Motorsports. So that's kind of cool. A lot of top competitors in this one. And a big event like this draws that, as you do have, I believe I counted 24 uh, drivers on the entry list. As you mentioned, it's for the Arkham Menard Series points, as well as the East points, and then the Sioux Chief Showdown if you're strictly only going for that. So definitely a, a jam-packed field here for this weekend's event at the Milwaukee Mile. And you've got some local people that are going to be racing uh, in this race, they could be spoiler makers uh, for this event as well. So let's go ahead and go over the uh, uh, entry list. And I notice we've got some uh, pretty good uh, crew chiefs that are on the list here too. So we'll go bottom up, Jay. All right. Well, I'll start with the zero two. That's going to be Connor Mozak uh, for Tyler Young Chevrolet, Eddie Traconis as the crew chief coming out of Charlotte, North Carolina. 
Another North Carolina driver from Indian Trail is going to be Jason Miles. He'll be in a Hillenburg Chevrolet with Owen Smith as the crew chief. Okay. And the number 81 is going to be Sammy Smith from Johnston, Iowa. He's going to be driving a Joe Gibbs racing Toyota, and Jamie Jones is his crew chief. Tommy Baldwin is the crew chief for the uh, Marie Benevento-owned Toyota. And the number 74 that will have Mason Diaz behind the wheel. He hails from Manassas, Virginia. Well, and Sharon mentioned it, a local driver, if you will, Ron Vandemeyer, uh, Jr., cell phone team, going to have Jeff McClure at the uh, helm of that Toyota, number 66, comes out of Sheridan, Illinois. And then we mentioned Joey East coming out of the West, Madero, California driver, and a DGR David Gilliland Ford with Seth Smith as the crew chief of that number 54. One of the staples of uh, the Arkham Menard series is Brad Smith in the number 48 from Shelby Township, Michigan. He'll be driving his Chevrolet with Jeff Smith on top of the pit box. A lot of Smiths in this, in this event. Derek Smith is going to be the crew chief for the uh, Johnny Gray-owned number 46 driven by Thad Moffat from Trinity, New North Carolina. Another one you want to call a hometown favorite coming out of Rhinelander, Wisconsin, is going to be the number 42 of Parker Retzlaff in the Bruce Cook-owned Toyota with Amber Slagle as the crew chief. And then Max Gutierrez, obviously a contender, in the number 30, coming out of Mexico City, Mexico, in the Mark Rett-owned and crew chief Ford. Okay, from Morris, Illinois, is the number 27 is Alex Club. He'll be driving the Toyota uh, with, owned by David Richmond, and Brian Club will be his crew chief. Billy Venturini is the crew chief for the Venturini number 25, driven by Gracie Trotter from Denver, North Carolina. That, of course, is going to be at a Toyota. Moving up the list, you mentioned Franklin, Wisconsin's Sam Bear, going to be in the number 23 of Stacy Holmes. Shane Huffman will be the crew chief on that Chevrolet. And then you got the GMS, Mari Gallagher owned number 21, Chad Bryant, the crew chief. And out of Dillon, Florida, comes Daniel Dye. And then one of the title contenders in the number 20 for Venturini Motorsports is Corey Heim from Marietta, Georgia. He'll be, he'll be driving that Toyota with Shannon Roosh as his crew chief. And Mark McFarlane will be the crew chief for the other championship uh, contending Toyota. And that is driven by Ty Gibbs uh, from Hunterville, Huntersville, North Carolina. That car, of course, is the number 18 from Joe Gibbs Racing. And then they've, another David Gill and Owen Ford you mentioned crew chief names. Chad Johnston going to be on the pit box for the number 17 out of Taylor, of Taylor Gray out of Mooresville, North Carolina. And then crossing all the way to the west, Redwood Cities, California's Jesse Love in that Mobile One Toyota for Venturini. Kevin Reed, the crew chief there on the 15. 
In the number 12 is going to be Stephanie Moyer from Shepton, Pennsylvania. She'll be driving a Hillenburg Toyota with Mike Schroof as the crew chief. And Tony Costantino will be the crew chief for the Andy Hillenburg Toyota, driven by Tony Constantino in the number 11 from Mansfield, Ohio. We've seen this one a couple of times. West Westville, South Africa driver, are not caught uh, in a Hillenburg machine. Dick Nohaney, the crew chief in the number 10 Toyota for are not. And Eric Caldwell out of Piedmont, Oklahoma, in the Eric Caldwell-owned Ford with Jeremy Petty as the crew chief. And then finally, we have two Rev Racing drivers. Uh, in the number six is Raja Karuth from Washington, D.C. He'll be, have Glenn Parker on top of his pit box. Steve Plattenberger will be on top of the pit box for the other Rev Racing-owned Chevrolet. And uh, that will be driven by Nick Sanchez uh, from Miami, Florida. He'll be in that number two Rev Racing machine. You know what I like about this, Jay? We've got people from, you know, ARCA has traditionally been known as a regional Midwest series. Not only are we seeing people from the East and the West coming together to compete in these uh, events, we've got somebody from South Africa. This has now become, and, and, and Mexico. So this is really an international event. We've got two international drivers in this event this weekend. It has. We've seen it on the west side a couple more. We got Takuma Koga out there from Japan. But to see it come Mm -hmm. together here in the Midwest, in the main ARCA series, really is cool. You're right. That's very special. And and I love to see that as we see this ARCA Menard series under the NASCAR umbrella and then bringing the east and the west, which used to be the K&N, also under the ARCA Menard series from underneath, uh, coming into one entity has been really tremendous. It really has. It really has. And and uh, it's been fun to watch uh, how this is kind of transitioning. <laughs> Excuse I want to I want to throw a twist at you. Normally, when when we pick winners, I'll let you go first. But we're going to take two drivers off the table. We'll take uh, Corey Heim and Ty Gibbs off the table. Who's your pick uh, <laughs> other than those two? I'm going to say Max Gutierrez. Okay, that was one of them I had considered. Uh, the other one I think uh, really could, and if I'm not mistaken, was running right with them at, uh, no, I can't, I drew a blank, the track in Minnesota. It'll come back to me Elko. unless you can think of it off the top. Elko. I kept thinking El- Eldora, and I'm like, that's not right. You're right, Elko. Uh, Nick Sanchez, I think, has a real good shot at it, at least mixing oh, it up I'd with them. And if he's able to capitalize on any situation that might happen between Ty Gibbs and Corey Heim. Yeah, you know, I say Max Gutierrez, and I, I have a lot of faith in him. But you've got other drivers like Sammy Smith, who's won already this year, Sam Mayer, who's last year's champion, Jesse Love, last year's champion in the West. Um, and, of course, the two that we're not seeing, <laughs> those two are certainly going to be contenders as well. Oh, yeah, I, I, you know they're going to be. I mean, we, we've seen that all year. Like I said, I just wanted to go a little bit deeper uh, versus if one of us picked one of them, obviously the other was going to pick the other one. So thought I'd take Oops, them off the fine. table and see what we came up with. 
<laughs> okay, well, it's uh, always fun to watch these races, uh, without a doubt. And uh, we are going to uh, watch this one on Sunday at the Milwaukee Mile. I'm so excited about that race. Uh, this is a very storied track here in the Midwest, as, as they've kind of pointed out. They've had a race every year at that track since 1903. So when I say this is a storied track in the Midwest, it truly is. You know, and I, and I just, when I referenced it, I hadn't, hadn't gone down that far into the notes uh, to realize how history it was. For me growing up and, and coming from Minnesota, and knowing the Arkham Menard series and then the ASA series in that era, that I knew it was a historic track, but I did not realize how far back that did go. Yeah, that's just amazing. So uh, fans can certainly look forward to uh, watching this one. Um, and I hope they say come back to the Milwaukee Mile. I hope this isn't a once-on-and-off uh, deal for the Arkham Menard series. I hope they continue to come back there. Uh, year in and year out, and that's where I where, where I mentioned it. I hope to, that we see the Xfinity series, the Truck series, uh, maybe also return there. If not, maybe even the Cup series. I know that's maybe a little wishful thinking, but uh, that's what keeps us uh, dry, <laughs> driven, right? Wishful thinking. That's that's true. That's very very true. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and get into the Camping World Truck Series. If we do get ourselves ahead, Jay, uh, we can give an update on our Fam for Racing Fantasy Group here, too. Uh, but I'm going to try to get through everything before we do that, if you don't mind. All right, yep. Okay, we're going to start with the Camping World Truck Series. They are not racing this weekend, but their next race will be at Darlington Raceway on Sunday, September the 5th. The name of the race is In It to Win It 200. Uh, that will start at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, pre-race coverage will be on Fox Sports 1 starting at 1 p.m. Eastern. And radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. Now, they'll be racing a distance of 200.1 miles over 147 laps. Uh, the first two stages are 40 laps. I'm sorry, 45 laps each, uh, with the first stage ending on lap 45, the second on lap 90, and the last stage ends on the last lap, lap 147. And if my math serves me right, that's 57 laps. That sounds good to me. Now, we did have some storylines coming out of the Worldwide Technology Raceway last weekend. One of them being Haley Deegan scoring the third best finish by a female in the series. Driving for Team DGR, Deegan scored her career best finish of seventh last weekend at WWT Raceway at Gateway, which is again the third best finish by a female competitor in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series and the first top ten finish by a female not at Daytona International Speedway. <laughs> And Deegan will be making her second career start next weekend at Darlington Raceway. Earlier this season, she became the seventh different female competitor to compete at Darlington in the series, joining the list of Jennifer Jo Cobb, who did it in 2010 and 2020, Joanna Long in 2011, Deborah Renshaw in 04, Kelly Sutton also in 04, 
Terry McDonald and Tina Gordon made their starts in 2003. The best finish by a female competitor in the truck series at the Darlington Raceway is currently 14th, which was by Jennifer Jo Cobb on August 14, 2010, when it was Cobb's series track debut. Deegan finished 20th in her series debut at Darlington earlier this year. Okay, well, so uh, quickly look at the Sunoco Rookie Update. And right now, Nice Motorsports' Carson Hosefar uh, continues to hold the 2021 Sunoco Rookie of the Year standing lead. He's at 20,031 points, which is up 21 points on Kyle Busch Motorsports' Chandler Smith, who has 2,010 points. Now, Hosefar and Smith are the only two rookies to have earned a spot in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoffs. So that's going to be a fun competition to watch as uh, their playoffs continue, Jay. It will be because, again, if one advances and one doesn't, that would lock up that rookie of the year form. We'll take a look at that with playoff clinch scenarios uh, as we get to Darlington Raceway. Now, we're one race into the seven-race NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoffs, GMS Racing's Sheldon Creed already locked himself into the next round of the postseason with his win there at Gateway last weekend. While the Camping World Truck Series is off this weekend, that race will be at Dar- next race will be at Darlington Raceway for the In It to Win It 200. I like that uh, sponsor title. <laughs> um, be at 1:30 Eastern Time. Be covered on FS1 MRN and Sirius XM Radio. And we mentioned already clinched uh, into the spot, a spot in the eight driver field of the next round. That would be Sheldon Creed with his win. To clinch via points, if there is a repeat winner or a win by a driver who cannot advance in the playoffs, the following drivers could clinch by being 56 points above the seventh winless driver in the standings. The same point requirement listed uh, would hold true if a new win comes from among John Hunter Nemechek. Ben Rhodes, Matt Crafton, Stuart Friesen, Austin Hill, or Carson Hosevar. So we'll start with Nemechek, uh, can only clinch with help, along with Ben Rhodes, Matt Crafton, Stuart Friesen, Austin Hill, and Carson Hosevar. If there is a new winner uh, from Todd Gillen or another winless driver lower in the standings but still eligible to advance in the playoffs, then the driver's uh, – being able to clinch by 56 above the 56 points above the six winless driver would still be the same list. John Hunter, Nemechek, Ben Rhodes, Matt Kraft, and Stuart Friesen, Austin Hill would need some help. All of these drivers uh, with a couple more can clinch via win. Uh, Nemechek, Rhodes, Crafton, Friesen, Hill, but also mention Carson Hosevar, Todd Gillen, Zane Smith, and Chandler Smith as they are still, those are your 10 drivers that started the playoffs. When we look at the points, uh, Creed locked in on wins. Nemechek is at right now 55 points above that cut line. Uh, Ben Rhodes, third, is 52 up. Matt Crafton in fourth is 33 points up. Stuart Friesen is 31 to the good. Sixth place, Austin Hill is only 21 to the good. Carson Horsevar, one of the rookies mentioned, is 13 to the good. Eighth place, Todd Gillen, is 10 to the good. This first round, they eliminate two. Right now, that would be the Smiths. Zane Smith is at, is at minus 10, 
and Chandler Smith at minus 18. So those are the two below that cut line as it stands right now. Okay. Well, let's talk about the defending champion who is the only driver who has secured his spot into the next round, and that's GMS Racing Sheldon Creed. Uh, he actually kicked off the playoffs with a dominating win last week at WWT Raceway at Gateway. Uh, <clears throat> so he's kind of made a statement, I'd say, Jay. He's here to repeat. Uh, Creed opened the 2021 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoffs with a dominating win at Gateway, leading 142 of the 163-lap race, and that went into overtime. It was his second win this season and his seventh win of his career. The victory at Gateway guarantees Creed a spot into the next round. So last season, Creed earned a spot in the championship round championship four round of the playoffs and won the season finale at Phoenix Raceway to take home the title. This season, Creed is motivated at the opportunity to become just the second driver all time to win back-to-back championships in the Camping World Truck Series. Uh, and I, if, I didn't know that you had the notes right in front of you. I'd ask you if you knew who that was. <clears throat> uh, I, w- the, the I would have known the driver, but not. I would have known the driver, but not the years. Okay, uh, if he's able to accomplish that feat, he would match uh, Matt Crafton, who won back-to-back championships, and he was the first driver to do it in 2013 and 14. If he were to win the championship again this year, and I'm talking about Sheldon Creed. He would also become just the fifth driver with multiple titles in the series. So that's pretty cool. Let's, uh, it certainly is, drivers. and that's quite the list he would join. It is. We'll go over the drivers uh, that are on that list. And uh, the driver with the most championships is uh, Ron Hornaday, Jr., he has four titles in 2009, 7, 98, and 96. <clears throat> Matt Crafton has three titles, including his back-to-back titles in 13 and 14. He also won the title in 2019. Jack Sprague also has three titles uh, in 97, 99, and in 2001. Uh, Todd Bodine is the only driver who has two titles in 2010 and 2006. Now, the remaining drivers that I'm going to list here go back to 1995 are the drivers who have currently have one title, starting with Sheldon Creed last year, Brett Moffat in 2018. In 17, it was Christopher Bell. In 16, Johnny Sauter. In 15, it was Eric Jones. In 2012, it was James Busher. In 2011, Austin Dillon. In 2008, it was Johnny Benson, Jr. In 2005, it was Ted Musgrave. In 2004, Bobby Hamilton. In 2003, it was Travis Quapel. In 2002, it was Mike Bliss. In 2000, Greg Biffle. And in 1995, it was Mike Skinner. So uh, that's quite a dignitary list there of uh, champions in the Camping World Truck Series. Uh, let's take a look at the series point standings for the uh, 
truck series because, uh, as I mentioned, they're not racing this weekend, and I want to make sure fans stay abreast with uh, what that uh, what those points are. All right, again, it's uh, Sheldon Creed locked in on points. Nemechek, 55 to the good. Uh, had a mulligan, had to take that mulligan, but uh, still sits pretty good. Ben Rhodes at 52. Those two are pretty secure, I'd say. Matt Crafton and Stuart Friesen, kind of in a mid-range. They should easily make it into the second round here on points, if nothing else, at 33 and 31 points to the good. Austin Hill at 21, Carson Hosevoir at 13, and Todd Gillen at 10, I think, are the most vulnerable. And then I mentioned you have Zane Smith and Chandler Smith, the two drivers on the outside right now, minus 10 and minus 18, that at this point are the ones that are going to be eliminated following the round. Yeah, I think coming into this, Sheldon Creed was third, and that win made all the difference in the world. Uh, So... You know, it's just stay on. T- I know we repeated it. Uh, it's always good to know exactly what those point standings are uh, before watching those races. Again, we're ahead, Jay, but uh, let's go ahead and get into the Xfinity Series because we seem to need that extra time when we get into the Cup Series. <clears throat> so All I'm right. going to go over the details here first. Uh, it w- the races this weekend at Daytona International Speedway, the Wawa 250, and that race will be tomorrow night, Friday, August the 27th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. <clears throat> Television coverage and pre-race coverage will start at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC Sports Network and radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. They'll be racing a distance of 250 miles over 100 laps. Stage 1 and 2 are 30 laps apiece, with Stage 1 ending on lap 30, Stage 2 on lap 60, and the last stage will be 40 laps, and that ends on lap 100. So what do we have in the Xfinity Series here? Well, I know we covered this on Hot Topics, a great thing all the way around, as most of us believe, and that's NFL Hall of Famer Emmett Smith teaming up with Jesse Awuji for a NASCAR Xfinity Series team next year. Awuji has partnered with the Hall of Fame running back Emmett Smith, and it'll form Jesse Awuji Motorsports starting with the 2022 NASCAR Xfinity Series season. Awuji and Smith will use eSports and STEM to connect with lower-income communities to empower individuals and show them that anything is is possible. Awuji has always had a focus on racial equality and inclusion in NASCAR, as well as a passion to run full-time in the series. Awuji currently serves in the U.S. Navy Reserves and was active duty in the Navy from 2010 to 2017. He's competed in five Xfinity Series races, uh, including Pocono Raceway this season for Mike Harmon Racing. He's got 14 Camping World Truck Series starts over four years as well. Smith and Uwuji share a lot of the same goals with this new partnership. Manufacturing car number as well as sponsorship will be announced at a later date. And I thought I saw that they were going with the number 99, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah, that would be interesting. 
if they come up with that number, because then you got to wonder. I'm trying to think: is Daniel Suarez in the '96 or is he in the '99? That's a, that's on the Cup side, though, not in the Xfinity. Oh, you're right. You're right. We're talking Xfinity. Okay. I'm, try, so I'm trying to remember cool. from any of the uh, the press releases if that was a car number on the car or if. Uh, Somewhere, somewhere, I thought I saw that it was the number ninety nine, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Oh, okay. So we'll wait for the official word. <laughs> okay. Now Austin Cindric hopes that he's able to grab a Daytona season sweep, uh, the 2020 Xfinity Series champion and Team Penske driver Austin Cindric is heading to Daytona this weekend hoping to grab his sixth win of the season and sweep both series races at Daytona. Now, if Cindric accomplishes that feat, he will become just the second driver all-time to win both the NASCAR Xfinity Series races at Daytona in a single season, joining NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale, Jr., <laughs> Dale Earnhardt Jr., who did that in 2003. Now, if Cindric wins this weekend, he would also become the fourth driver to win uh, consecutive races in the Xfinity Series at Daytona, and that would join uh, him with Daryl Waltrip, who did it in 1983-84, Dale Earnhardt in 90-94, through 94, four straight, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. in 2003-2004, uh, and he did three straight. Now, Cindric will have his work cut out for him, though, because the NASCAR Xfinity Series right now uh, is on a different winner streak at Daytona that has reached 12 different drivers and dates back to 2015. Now, Austin Cindric won in July of 2015, Chase Elliott in February of 16, Eric Amarola in July of 16, Ryan Reed in February of 17, William Byron in July of that year, Tyler Reddick in February of 2018, then it was Kyle Larson in July of the same year, Michael Lynette in February of 2019, followed by Ross Chastain in July that year, Noah Gregson won in February of 2020, followed by Justin Haley in August of 2020, and Austin Sendrick won in February this year. So the ultimate goal over these last few weeks for the former series champ, Austin Sendrick, is to lock up the regular season title with the 15 additional playoff points that go along with it. Now, Sendrick has already accumulated 34 playoff points. That's the most of any driver this season. And if he accomplishes the feat of winning two in a row at Daytona, he will become the first driver in the Xfinity Series to win multiple regular season championships. So uh, right now, Austin Sindrick uh, has a championship. Tyler Reddick, uh, that was last year. Tyler Reddick was the champion in 19, Justin Algauer in 18, and Elliot Sadler was the champion in 2017. So Austin Sindrick wants to be the first in that group to win multiple championships. Can he do it? Well, and to get to, the, to get to that final four, you take it step by step, and that's certainly the first step. And locking up, you mentioned the 15 additional playoff points uh, gives you that boost throughout the playoffs. So good step to be taken, and hopefully he can lock up this weekend. 
Now, time is running out, though, on the regular season. We've got seven playoff positions still up for grabs as just five drivers have secured their spot in the NASCAR Xfinity Series postseason heading into this weekend's race at Daytona International Speedway. Those five drivers locked in, Austin Sindrick, A.J. Allmendinger, Justin Allgaier, Jeb Burton, and Myatt Schneider. To clinch on points, if there's a repeat winner, a win by a driver who cannot advance to the end of the playoffs, the following drivers would clinch by being 166 points above the fifth winless driver in the standings. And those same points requirements listed would be true if a new win comes from Daniel Hamrick, Harrison Burton, Justin Haley, or Noah Gregson. Daniel Hamrick would clinch with a 44-point gain. Harrison Burton and Justin Haley can only clinch uh, with some help. A win cures everything, as they say. So drivers that could uh, clinch on their win alone this weekend, Daniel Hamrick, Harrison Burton, Justin Haley, Noah Gregson, Brandon Jones, Jeremy Clements, Riley Herbst, and then outside Brandon outside the top 12, Brandon Brown, Ryan Sieg, Tommy Joe Martins, Alex LeBay, Landon Castle, and Josh Williams. They're still all eligible with a win. Look at the standings. Mention the uh, top ones there locked in on wins. Get down to sixth place. Daniel Hemrick currently has a 264-point gap above the cut line. Harrison Burton is seventh at 247 to the good. Justin Haley is 205 up. Ninth place, Noah Gregson, 195 up. Brandon Jones in 10th, 87 to the good. Jeremy Clements is 66. And Riley Herbst at 41 up. Now, just outside, Michael Annette, and I do believe it shows him as coming back this weekend on the entry list anyway, uh, is at minus 41. Brandon Brown is 82 out and Ryan Sieg at minus 96. Mentioned Austin Sindrick still leads the way with 907 points, but with Almendinger's win on Saturday, he did close that gap on Sindrick. Daniel Hemrick is the highest, still the highest-rated winless driver. Mentioned that 264-point buffer over the cut line, and his Joe Gibbs Racing teammate Harrison Burton, seventh, as the second-ranked winless driver, 247 points above the cut line. Riley Herbst right now, the 12th and final driver in the playoff outlook standings, is at 41 points above that cut line, where Michael Annette is holding on to 13th at 41 below. And and that has been granted the waiver to still be eligible for the playoffs, and I believe he's missed uh, four races. He's got 18 starts compared to the 22 due to injury, though, so he has been granted a waiver. Okay. Amazingly, Jay, there's four races to go until the Xfinity Series playoffs, and Daytona is one of those four races. Uh, So the regular season is coming to an end, and a lot can happen to shake up the standings. And what better place to shake up those point standings than at Daytona International Speedway? The NASA Xfinity Series returns to the World Center of Racing for the second time this season on Friday night under the lights for the Wawa 250. That will be at 730 again. And NBC Sports Network at Eastern Time, and you, you can also find it on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio as well as MRN. 
Now, A.J. Allmendinger continued his winning ways last week at Michigan International Speedway. He captured his third victory of the season in the number 16 college racing Chevrolet. Now, Allmendinger's win came in a triple overtime, and he was able to beat Joe Gibbs Racing's Brandon Jones by a mere .163 seconds. With another win for Allmendinger, all the spots, are up for grabs in the Xfinity Series playoff standings still remain. Uh, so this weekend's Wild Bar 250 at Daytona will be the 60th Xfinity Series race at the Super Speedway. In the season opener in February, we've talked about it, Austin Sindrick was the victor, and there were 16 lead changes and nine cautions for 42 laps. Cindric won over Brad Moffitt by a mere .104 seconds. So that's how close the racing is at Daytona. There, the inaugural NASCAR Xfinity Series race was on February 13th of 1982, and it was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt. The 59 Xfinity Series races at Daytona have produced 42 different pole winners, and 34 different race winners. William Byron, he's the youngest winner. Uh, In 2017, he was just 19 years, six months, and one day old. Bobby Allison holds the record for the oldest winner. In 1988, he was 50 years, two months, and 10 days. Now, only five races in history have been won from the pole or the first starting position. That happened in 2002, 3, 8, 9, and 21, including Austin Sendrick's win earlier this year. Now, Jeff Bodine still holds on to the race record from, nine, from 198 at, I think that means 1998, and that's the speed record of 157.137 miles per hour. Joe Nemechek has the most starts at Daytona in the Xfinity Series. He has 37 starts, as well as the most poles. He has five. NASCAR Hall of Famers Dale Earnhardt and Tony Stewart are tied with the most wins at seven each, and Kevin Harvick has the most top fives at 12. Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Harvick are tied with 14 top tens, And Earnhardt Jr. holds the record for the most lead lap finishes at 19. Nemechek has completed the most laps at 3,526. And Earnhardt Jr. has led the most laps at 560. Daniel Hemrick is the only full-time active Xfinity Series driver that holds a record at Daytona. Hemrick has the best average start at 5.500. Michael Lynette, Noah Gregson, and Ryan Reed all captured their very first wins at Daytona. Most recently, it was Gregson who did that in 2020. Aside from the first Daytona race in 2020, the last five races have had a margin of victory of less than 0.253 seconds. In the first 2020 race, the race was won under caution. Now, this weekend's race will be 250 miles over 100 laps 
Again, the first two stages are 30 laps each, and the last stage is 40 laps. Almendinger will start on the pole. Gregson will be joining him on that front row. Brandon Jones will start third, Justin Algauer fourth. Harrison Burton will round out the top five starters for this weekend's race at Daytona International Speedway. We are way ahead of schedule here, but let's go ahead. And then I think what we'll do after we do the update for the um, fantasy game that we play, Jay, we'll look at some of the news stories uh, that are up in the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series and so on. Okay, so let's go on to the Cup Series. Uh, The Cup Series is racing the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona this weekend. That race will take place Saturday night under the lights, August the 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. NBC will carry the pre-race coverage starting at 6.30 p.m. And again, radio coverage is on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 20. Now, they'll be racing this race a distance of 400 miles over 160 laps. The first two stages are 50 laps apiece. Stage one ends on lap 50, stage two on lap 100. And the final stage is 60 laps, and that will end on lap 160. So what's well, we're going to cover the, for the Cup Series? Yeah, we'll cover some of the uh, news stories, as you mentioned right now. Uh, Advanced Auto Parts and Ryan Blaney shining light on local tracks. Advanced Auto Parts, which is a leading automotive aftermarket parts retailer and entitlement sponsor, of the NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series, the NAAPWS, will award $1,200 to Berlin Raceway in um, Marne, Michigan, and Elko Speedway in Elko, Newmarket, uh, Minnesota, after Ryan Blaney's NASCAR Cup Series win at Michigan International Speedway from uh, Sunday, August 22nd. Advance is using its associate sponsorship of Ryan Blaney and Team Penske's number 12 Ford to shine light on NASCAR-sanctioned local tracks across the U.S. and Canada that are part of the NAAPWS. Berlin Raceway and Elko Speedway were featured on Blaney's car at Michigan. For every uh, Blaney victory in 2021, the local NASCAR tracks featured on his car each received $1,200 to be used for track operations, local driver winnings, they were supporting a charity of the track's choosing. Limeland Motorsports Park and Bethel Motor Speedway will be on Blaney's Daytona car, hoping for their shot at $1,200 this weekend. Now, this season, Advance has also brought awareness to NASCAR's local tracks through its Advance My Track Challenge. The program encouraged race fans to vote for their favorite, favorite NASCAR home track, with the with track receiving the most votes, claiming a $50,000 grand prize. Uh, Berlin Raceway was announced as the program's inaugural winner back in May of 2021. That's, that's really cool. I didn't realize that Elko was on there. <laughs> that is very cool. Okay, now, Stuart House Racing's Kevin Harvick is teaming up with Subway. Uh, this is kind of a reunion because a lot of people will remember Tony Stewart, uh, being part of Subway's uh, sponsorship. Uh, 
Subway Restaurants, the world's largest quick-service restaurant brand, will begin its association with Stordhaus Racing when it debuts on the number four board of Kevin Harvick during the September 18 Cup Series race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Now, Subway will return as primary partner of the number 14, October 24th, at Kansas Speedway in Kansas City. For all other races, Subway will be an associate sponsor on the number four Ford. So uh, that's uh, pretty cool to see Subway back uh, with uh, Tony Stewart, Stewart Oz Racing, but this time on the uh, car of the number four uh, for Bristol and uh, also at Kansas Speedway. So pretty cool. Right. I always like to see a sponsor like that come back. So another one, uh, Carnomaly, uh, is going to join Landon, Landon Castle at Daytona and Talladega. Carnomaly, which is the world's leading automotive crypto company with an eye on revolutionizing the future of the automotive industry, uh, will serve as a primary partner for Castle in both races. And Castle will pilot the number 96 Toyota for the Gaunt Brothers Racing this weekend at Daytona as they bring that sponsorship forward. Okay, here's a spoiler alert for Daytona. (laughs) While the majority of the competitors this weekend are vying for playoffs and running for points and wins in the NASCAR Cup Series Championship, eight drivers are entered in the Coke. Zero Sugar 400 that are not running for the title in the series. But they are looking to play the spoiler by grabbing a win this weekend. Uh, that includes drivers from uh, outside the series. Uh, it includes Justin Haley in the number 77 for Spire Motorsports, Kaz Growler in the number 16 for Colleague Racing, Joy Gase in the number 15 for Rick Ware Racing, Garrett Smithley in the number 53 for Rick Ware Racing. Cody Ware in the number 51 for Petty Ware Racing. David Starr in the number 66 for MBM Motorsports. Cloud in the number 78 for Live Fast Motorsports. And Landon Castle, we just mentioned, in the number 96 for Gaunt Brothers Racing. Of the eight, Spire Motorsports driver Justin Haley is the only one to have already won at Daytona in the Cup Series before taking the checkered flag in the rain-shortened summer race in 2019. So uh, some of those are uh, Cup Series drivers, I guess, but uh, quite a few of those are are part-timers. So it's fun to see them entering this race. And we have definitely seen some spoilers when it comes to Daytona before. There's no doubt about that. (laughs) All right, let me scroll up here. we got a little bit of a bigger section here with a couple of charts. I'm going to look at Daytona Dominators, uh, the best of the best when it comes to the world center of racing. And winning at one of NASCAR's most prestigious tracks, which is Daytona International Speedway, is always a major accomplishment. So it's not all that surprising that ten the top ten winningest drivers at Daytona are all in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Look at Richard Petty has that ten wins, seven Daytona 500 wins, and three in the summer race. Second on the list, Cale Yarbrough, nine victories, 
five coming in the Daytona 500, four during the summer. David Pearson has a total of eight, three in the 500, five in the summer race. And Fireball Robert, seven. He's got four 500 wins and then three summer races. Bobby Allison is split three and three, as well as Jeff Gordon for a total of six each. Bill Elliott, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Dale Jarrett, Jr. Johnson, and Tony Stewart all have four. Uh, Elliott and Juniors are split two and two, two in the 500 and two in the summer race. Dale Jarrett's a little more lopsided, three 500 uh, victories and one summer race. Junior Johnson's all in a Daytona, four victories. They all come in the 500. Whereas Tony Stewart's the opposite. Uh, never got the 500 win, but has four summer races wins. Now this weekend, the NASCAR Cup Series field will have 14 former Daytona International Speedway winners entered, led by Denny Hamlin with three wins. And the most recent winner at Daytona that is entered into this weekend is Michael McDowell, who won the 2021 Daytona 500 earlier this season. Now, McDowell heads into this weekend looking to become the sixth different driver in NASCAR Cup Series history to sweep both Daytona races, the 500 and the summer race, in a single season. He would join Fireball Roberts, who did it in 1962 for the 500 and the Firecracker 250, Cale Yarbrough in 1968, and then it was the Daytona 500 Firecracker 400, Lebro, Leroy Yarbrough, 1969, again, the 500 and the Firecracker 400. Bobby Allison did it in 1982, and Jimmy Johnson in 2013, and that's when it was the Daytona 500, and then the Coke Zero 400, powered by Coca-Cola. Since the win in your in format to the playoffs was initiated back in 2016, it's Eric Jones' 2018 summer race win and William Byron's summer race win last season are the only two summer race victories at Daytona to catapult the driver into the postseason. The other three winners were either not eligible for the playoffs due to not competing for a championship in the series, uh, which was Haley's back in 2019, or the drivers already previously had won in the same season, which was the case for Keselowski in 2016 and Stenhouse in 17. Well, there's eight active drivers this weekend who have a, won a summer race at Daytona. William Byron picked his up in August of 2020. Justin Haley in July of 2019. In 18, mentioned it was Eric Jones. In the year before that, in 17, it was Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Brad Keselowski in 2014, it was Eric Almirola. Going back to 2010, it was Kevin Harvick. And all the way back in 2008, it was Kyle Busch. Okay. Okay, coming into this weekend, again, remember, this is the last race of the regular season uh, for the Cup Series. So we'll look at clinch scenarios. There's only one spot and one shot now to clinch. So this weekend's NASCAR Cup Series regular season finale at Daytona is the last chance for drivers who have not clinched a spot in the playoffs to earn their way into the postseason. A total of 15 drivers have already clinched their playoff spot, leaving just one spot left for drivers to battle it out in the Coke Zero Sugar 400 this Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. 
Now, the drivers that have already clinched include Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, William Byron, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Alex Bowman, Kurt Busch, Christopher Bell, Michael McDowell, and Eric Almarola. The following drivers can clinch via points if there's a repeat winner or a win by a driver who cannot advance to the playoffs. The following drivers can clinch by being ahead of the fourth winless driver in the standings. The same point requirements listed below would hold true if a new win comes from among Denny Hamlin or Kevin Harvick. So Tyler Reddick would clinch with 31 points, and Austin Dillon can only clinch with some help. Uh, These drivers can clinch with a win. Uh, So a win alone is going to help them clinch their spot. Uh, So Tyler Reddick, he has an average finish at Daytona of 27.8. Austin Dillon, who has an average finish at Daytona of 14.8. Matt DiBenedetto's average finish there is 21.3. Chris Buescher, 21. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 19.5. Ross Chastain, 18.2. Bubba Wallace at 15.1. Chase Briscoe at 19.0. Chase, I'm sorry, Eric Jones at 22.6. Daniel Suarez at 31.6. Ryan Newman at 19.1. Ryan Priest at 22.4. Cole Custer at 26.0. Anthony Alfredo at 32.0, and Coriel LaJoy, whose average finish at Daytona is 18.7. So that's kind of an interesting stat that they've put there for those drivers that need a win to get in. Now, the 2021 uh, outlook goes following race number 25, okay, which is the race last week. You've got Kyle Larson in the lead. He's got a hundred. I'm sorry, a thousand and four points. He's got thirty-seven playoff points, which includes five wins and twelve stage wins. Martin Truex Jr. at seven hundred and eighty-nine points. He's got the three wins, five stages that give him twenty playoff points. Alex Bowman at six hundred and seventy-four points, three wins, fifteen playoff points. Kyle Busch two wins five stage wins and 15 playoff points. Chase Elliott at 820 has the two wins and two stage wins, giving him 12 playoff points. Ryan Blaney, 787, two wins, four stage wins, give him 14 playoff points. Now we get into the single digits for playoff points. Uh, With William Byron at 833, he's got one win, three stage wins for eight points, Joey Logano, 772, one win, four stage wins for nine playoff points. Brad Keselowski, uh, the one win, two stage wins for seven points. Kurt Busch, one win, three stage wins for eight points. Christopher Bell, one win and no stage wins for five points. Also with no stage wins, but a Victory is Michael McDowell for five points and Eric Almarola for five playoff points. Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick have no wins, 
but Denny Hamlin has the five stage wins, giving him five playoff points. So they are both clinched in on points, leaving Tyler Reddick as the only driver uh, on top of the line, but not clinched. He has no wins. He's got three stage wins for three playoff points. So there's another group of drivers uh, that are below the cutoff line. They can get in if they can get a win. And, again, those drivers are Dylan, DiBenedetto, Busher, Stenhouse Jr., Chastain, Bubba Wallace, Chase Briscoe, the rookie, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, Ryan Newman, Ryan Priest, Cole Custer, Corey LaJoy, and Anthony Alfredo, another rookie. So Richard Childress Racing driver, Tyler Reddick is just 25 points up off the playoff cut line heading into the regular season finale. Last season in the summer race at Daytona, Reddick put on a strong performance, but he was caught in the last two multi-car accidents at the end of the race to delegate him to a 29th place finish at the famed 2.5-mile super speedway. Reddick has made four series starts at Daytona. Again, his average finish is 27.8. Just below Reddick in the standings is uh, RCR's teammate, Austin Dillon. He's in the 17th position of the playoff outlook. He's the first spot outside the cutoff line, and the two are separated by just 25 points. Dillon has made 16 starts at Daytona. He has one win there in 2018 at the Daytona 500, three top fives, and eight top tens. <clears throat> so uh, the, additionally, the regular season champion can be clinched by the following drivers. Okay, Kyle Larson can clinch if he can gain 32 points this weekend. Denny Hamlin is only going to be able to clinch if he can get a win. Now, the regular season championship points battle has come down to the regular season finale at Daytona this weekend to see who's going to take home the trophy and the additional 15 playoff points. Denny Hamlin has made 31 starts at Daytona, grabbing three wins, all in the Daytona 500 in 2016, 19, and just last year. Now, he also has 11 top fives, 12 top tens, and his average finish at the track is 16.0. Kyle Larson, on the other hand, has made 14 starts at Daytona. He's posted five top tens, and his average finish at the track is a 21.1. If Larson or Hamlin wins the Cup Series regular season championship, the winner will become just the fourth different driver in series history to win that prestigious award. Kyle Busch has two titles. He won in 2018 and 19. Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex have one title. They won, Harvick won in 2020, Truex in 2017. So, wow, that was a big one. Well, and a lot of information there, but a big takeaway, when they reseed, if uh, looking at it, if um, Tyler Reddick is able to stay in on points, he has three playoff points, would be reseeded. Kevin Harvick would start 16th in points. Danny Hamlin, not much better off in 14th, but he does have those five playoff points. 
uh, that's just amazing to me following last year. Yeah, it really is. He had, what, uh, a bunch of wins last year, and now uh, not one win yet this season. Harvick, Harvick having nine, and, and then uh, Denny Hamlin having eight, I believe, was the stats from last year. So, yeah, both of them winless this year is just unbelievable. Now we're going to look at first-time winners uh, aplenty at Daytona. And the one thing Daytona International Speedway is known for is the unpredictable finishes that on occasion produce first-time winners in the NASCAR Cup Series. In fact, the last three NASCAR Cup Series summer races at Daytona International Speedway have fashioned just that, the first-time winners. A total of 22 different drivers have posted their first NASCAR Cup Series win at Daytona International Speedway. 11 of the 22 posted their first win in the summer races. And the most recent was last, last season's August race winner with race winner William Byron, and that earned him his spot into the playoffs. We look at NASCAR Series uh, Cup Series first-time winners at Daytona International Speedway all time. Uh, Michael McDowell uh, was most recent. His was in the Daytona 500, February 14, 2021. He was aged 36. Sorry, William Byron mentioned August 29th of 2020. Did it in the summer race. Was aged 22. In 2019, July 7th, the summer race, Justin Haley did it at age 20. We mentioned Eric Jones, age 22, did it in July uh, 7th of 2018. Back on July 6th of 2014, the summer race, at age 30, it was Eric Almarola. I saw this on Race Hub. July 2nd, 2011, David Reagan did it at age 25. Another one at the Daytona 500, February 20th of 2011. It was Trevor Bain at age 20. And Greg Biffle at age 33 did it in the July 5th race in 2003. Maybe one of the most memorable ever, Michael Waltrip, able to do it February 18th, 2001. At age 37, picked up a Daytona 500 victory. Going a little further back in history, 1997, July 5th race at age 34, it was John Andretti. Another 37-year-old did it in 94, July 2nd, that was Jimmy Spencer. Sterling Marlin, another one to do it in the Daytona 500, February 20th, 1994, was age 36. Derek Cope, at the time he did it in 1990, February 18th, picked up his Daytona 500 victory at age 31. Greg Sachs, he picked one up in a summer race, July 4th, 1985, was age 32. Pete Hamilton picked up a Daytona 500 victory, uh, February 22nd, 1970, was age 27. Mario Andretti was 26 when he picked up a 500 win, uh, February 26, 1967. In 1966, the summer race, a Monday actually, age 28, was Sam McQuagg. Earl Earl Balmer uh, picked up a 500 win on Friday, February 25th in 1966. He was age 30. A.J. Foyt, we know, he picked up a summer race July 4th, on the 4th of July, 1964, at age 29. Bobby, Bobby Isaac was 31. 
Got his on Friday, February 21st, 1964. I take these back. These might The Friday ones might have been twin qualifiers, aren't they? I see that now. Because it just says at Daytona International Speedway. I thought those Friday dates seemed odd. Um, <laughs> Tiny, Tiny Lund at age 33, Sunday, February 24th, 1963. And then Johnny Rutherford, Friday, February 22nd, 1963, was 24 years old. Quite a range of uh, ages there throughout that list. Yes, there certainly is. Okay, here's another big one. Uh, The perfect stage for the regular season finale. All eyes are going to be on the World Center of Racing this weekend at Daytona International Speedway. The 2.5-mile Page Super Speedway Oval has hosted 148 NASCAR Cup Series races since the inaugural race in 1959. 63 have been 500 miles, 58 were 400 miles, and four of those races were just 250 miles. There were also 23 qualifier races that were point races, but this weekend marks just the second time the summer August race will be the NASCAR Cup Series regular season finale. Now, the 148 NASCAR Cup races at Daytona have produced 106, I'm sorry, just 62 different pole winners and 67 different race winners. 29 drivers have multiple Cup Series wins at Daytona. NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Petty leads the series in wins at Daytona with 10 victories. He won February of 64, also February of 66, February of 71, 73, 74. He won the July race in 75 and 77, uh, the February race in 79 and in 81, and the July race in 84. Denny Hamlin won in February of 2016, 19, and 20. And he leads all active drivers in Daytona, wins with three. Of the 67 NASCAR Cup races, Cup Series winners, 40 of them have won the summer race. A total of 14 Cup Series Daytona winners are active this weekend, and seven of those 14 have won a summer race at Daytona. Uh, So... Okay, let's go over the active drivers uh, that have wins. Uh, Denny Hamlin, we told you he has the three wins uh, in 2019 and 16, all 500 wins. Kevin Harvick has two. He won in July of 2010, but he also won the February of 2007. Michael McDowell won most recently in February of 2021 with one win. The rest of these drivers all have one win, and I'll let you know uh, whether it's the July or the August, or July or February race. Justin Haley won in 2019 July, Eric Jones in 18 of July, July of 18, Austin Dillon won in February of 18, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. July of 17, Kurt Busch, February of 17. Brad Keselowski won in July of 16. Joel Logano, February of 15. 
Eric Amarola in 14 July, Kyle Bush in July of 2008, and Ryan Newman in February of 2008. <coughs> Excuse me. NASCAR Hall of Famer David Pearson leads the series in summer race victories at Daytona. He has five summer wins in 61, 72, 73, 74, and 78. Five drivers have posted consecutive summer race wins at Daytona, including Fireball Roberts in 62 to 63, A.J. Foyt, 64 to 65, Cale Yarborough, 67 to 68, David Pearson, 72 to 74, and Tony Stewart, 2005 to 6. The youngest Daytona summer race winner is Justin Haley. We mentioned him earlier. Uh, He won July 7th of 2019 at 20 years, 2 months, and 9 days. That's an all-time track record. Uh, Trevor Bain in February February 20th of 2011 was 20 years, 0 months, and 1 day. The oldest Daytona summer race winner is Bobby Allison, July 4th of 87. He was 49 years, 7 months, and 1 day. The all-time track record is Bobby Allison, February 14th of 88, at 50 years, 5 months, and 23 days. This weekend's NASCAR Cup Series regular season finale will be 400 miles, 160 laps, And the event is broken up into the three stages, as we mentioned earlier, 50 laps each uh, for the first two stages and 60 laps for the last stage. This weekend's starting lineups are determined by the metric qualifying. And as a result, Kyle Larson is starting from the pole. And his Hendrick Motorsports uh, teammate, William Byron, is joining him on the front row. A total of 22 different starting positions have produced winners in the NASCAR Cup Series summer races at Daytona. The first starting position is the most proficient starting position in the field, producing more winners, nine, than any other starting position in the summer races at Daytona. The most recent driver to win from the pole or first starting position at Daytona in the Cup Series was NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt Jr., who did that in the 2015 July race. The deepest in the field that a race winner has started at Daytona is 42nd, and that was NASCAR Hall of Famer Tony Stewart in 2012 July race. So a lot of information there for people to digest about this season finale that's coming up this weekend at Daytona. Uh, But, Jay, we do have time for you to get into our uh, fantasy racing stats for the fan for racing group. Are you still here, Jay? Let me see if we lost you. I've got to bring him back into the queue. I did. I did. For some reason I had to, uh, had to call (laughs) back in. So uh, I apologize. No, I I don't know if I did it or not, so you'd eventually notice it. Um, Find here the truck series. I know I had to redo those the other night, being that we uh, are in the playoffs for the truck series, and I forgot, so I'd only given half the points for that one. So 
for the truck series, Sharon leads that series at 74 points. I am five points behind at 69. Mike is at 67. Andy, 61. Tommy, 58. Uh, Sam, 54. Owen, 51. James at 40. So 34 points top to bottom for the truck series. And they are now at 16 points for each of us per race. Then we'll go to the Xfinity Series. Mike leads that one, 88 points. He's got a three-point lead over myself at 85. Andy's right behind me at 83. And then Sam at 78. Sharon, 74. James at 71. Tommy at 70. And Owen at 69. That one's only 19 points uh, top to bottom. On the cup side, Sam took over the points lead here. I had a rough week. He's got 123 points. I'm at 118. Mike is right behind me at 116. Then Owen at 111. Sharon at 109. And Tommy at 97. James at 94. And then Andy at 55. uh, Hanging with Chase Briscoe. Uh, 29 points from uh, first to seventh. Andy's a little bit lagging there. But still holding in. Let me find the overall now. I have a one-point lead over Mike, 272 to 271 on the overall. Sharon's at 257, has two points over Sam at 255, then Owen, 231, Tommy, 225, James is at 205, and Andy has got to break the uh, 200 break mark this weekend, hopefully, at 199. So only 73 points there top to bottom over the three series, and once we get all series into playoffs, that's 48 points per weekend, so a lot, a lot can change over the, the time frame here once we all especially hit the playoffs in all three series. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's been very interesting this year. Uh, it always is interesting, and it makes the races a lot more fun to watch uh, when we have the fantasy game going. So, Jay, we really appreciate you taking the time to keep track of all of that for us. Oh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I know when I first started and we were doing the Thursday night preview show when we started that, me and you would each pick a winner. And the more I thought about it, I was like, I wonder who's picked the winner more back and forth. And so, yeah, that first year, I think it was <laughs> me, you, and Sal. I don't remember if Andy was in that first year because I think there were only three or four of us that first year. Um, mm-hmm. Expanding our playoffs to eight has <laughs> certainly been more interesting. It has been. It really has been. Uh, so next up, at the top of the hour here, we'll be getting into our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, we've got uh, quite a few topics to get into here tonight. Uh, but uh, do you want to kind of give who are some of our picks are in the Xfinity Series and the uh, Cup Series? All right. Before we get uh, Andy on board here for the Xfinity Series, this one – and we mentioned anybody can win this race. Uh, Sam kicked us off with Noah Gregson, and I have to go last. So, yeah, I had to scratch several off my list already. Sam took Noah Gregson to start with. <laughs> Owen Stewart uh, took Brandon Brown. And then James Bickford uh, took Justin Haley. Uh, those are the three, and I think Tommy is up next. We might not get his pick tonight. I know he said he wasn't available for Hot Topics, so I'm gathering he's probably – busy with something uh the 
Cup Series. You see what we got here? I know Sharon just made her pick. Uh, this one, I had to start us off. I took Denny Hamlin. I think he's going to pick up a win and go for the uh, regular season championship. James came right behind me with Matt DiBenedetto. Tommy took one of the uh, perennial favorites when it comes to speedway racing, Ricky Stenhouse. And all in unison, we'll say it, Andy Lasky took Chase Briscoe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sharon, you surprised me a little bit here. He took Eric Almarola, so that leaves Truex still out there on the board. And we got Owen, Sam, and Mike who have yet to pick for the cup side. Okay, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens this weekend at Daytona. Uh, And we're not into double points yet, but next week we will be for the Cup Series. We are for the Truck Series, but I mean for the Cup Series. We're not in double points for the Xfinity or Cup. By by all all means, keep reminding me of that so I don't make that same mistake on the Cup Series. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, will do. Okay, we're expecting Andy to be joining us here shortly uh, for Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, This should be a good one. We've got uh, a few topics here to talk about tonight. Uh, Jay, what's at the top of your list for Hot Topics tonight? Well, I mentioned it earlier, and I was trying to uh, throughout the show to find it back. Noah Gregson hinted that his uh, his future – uh, he's not. He can't announce it yet, but it's being locked up. So, where do we think Noah Gregson is going to go next year? That's interesting. I had not seen that yet. I'm looking for where you posted that. Well, I originally put it up. Uh, like I said, I think prior to Monday's show, I think it was in an interview on Race Hub where he said he had some news uh, coming in the in the days to weeks, um, but didn't. And it wasn't even there wasn't any kind of hint of Cup Xfinity same team or not. Just that his future will be uh, known here in the in the next couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, interesting. Um. So some landing spots for uh, Noah Gregson uh, for next year. That's a good question. Uh, do you think he's going to be going to the um, to the uh, Cup Series? Is that the hint here? I, I really don't see anything available at the Cup Series. Within the Xfinity series, there's a lot of possibilities, one being staying right where he's at with Junior Motorsport. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. even said it on Sunday's broadcast that they aren't ruling out, and I know uh, we discussed this, and it is true. The Cup Series can only have four teams per owner. The Xfinity series and the Truck Series do not have that, so Junior Motorsports can go five full-time rides if that's the case. Okay. Very interesting. Um, I I just have no idea where to go with this. I really don't. Um, for for Noah Gregson, if he's not in the number nine next year at Junior Motorsports. <clears throat> 
I mean, I think he's just going to be in the number nine again for junior motorsports if he's anywhere. I I have no clue where I would put him. Let me see if uh, Andy's here. Andy's here. I bet he has some ideas. Andy, welcome to the show. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Jay. How you both doing tonight? We're doing great. Good. We're, we're talking about uh, Noah Gregson. He's currently in the number nine at Junior Motorsports, and uh, I guess there's been some hints, uh, although I have not seen them, uh, about where he might be for next season because I don't have a clue for where Noah Gregson's going to be next season. Do you, Andy? Uh, I have not seen these hints. I, I guess, uh, Jay, if you know what they are, I'd love to hear them. Um, but I, my opinion is that I, I don't know that he's going to be back in that car. I think that the fact that they have moved ahead and already announced Josh Berry full-time, Sam Mayer full-time, um, I think you have to believe that with the relationship Justin Allgaier has with Brant, that he'll be back. I think um, Michael Annette can probably come back if he wants to, as he brings the Pilot Flying J sponsorship. Um, I find it hard to believe that they would expand to five full-time cars. Jay is 100% correct in the sense that they can do it, but I have to wonder if the relationship has, has simply run its course. I, I don't know. I just I think that the fact that they've already moved on with, with two other drivers, two new drivers to be exact, to run full time next year. I, I don't know. I, I think that Noah will land somewhere. He does seem to have funding and, and brings money to the table. Um, so I think that he'll still be full time in NASCAR next year, but I, I don't think it's going to be JR motorsports in the number nine car. Uh, yeah, I have to agree. I, I mean, if he was going to be anywhere, I would leave him there, but I don't really see it. I just don't see it. Uh, I think he's run his course is right. He's had a better second half of the season than he had at the beginning of the year. But uh, I don't think he's produced enough to really impress anybody uh, to bring him on full time anywhere. So, but if there's hints that he's going somewhere, I'd like to hear what those hints are too, Jay. Uh, because uh, I just don't... Uh, I I can't think of a place for Noah Gregson to be quite honest. So you're going to have to illuminate us. Well, the the in the interview I mentioned, I believe it was on Race Hub on either Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, didn't indicate of where. It was just that a deal was being finalized that he would have an announcement as to where. So he must have something. I personally think he does stay at Junior Motorsports. Uh, being that Dale Jr. has mentioned a couple of times of going to and being capable and possibly going to and willing to, if, if the situations were right, to a five-car team. Now, we know that Josh Berry has signed for the number eight uh, to go full-time. From going back to when they initially signed Sam Mayer to a partial schedule this year with the intent of full-time next year, I think that's where that's coming into play if they want to do that as well as keep their current lineup of Mike Lynette, Justin Algar, and Noah Gregson. The other thing that I think comes in during that interview, uh, Gregson did mention the, uh, the rough start to this season I don't think was necessarily anything of his doing. He had a couple of races that did get away from him, um, but also just some, some horrible, horrible luck as far as parts failures, especially on the road courses, which he's known for, uh, to do good at. 
So I, what I envision, though, is staying at Junior Motorsports kind of as his make or break year. It would be his fourth full-time there, uh, year full-time at Junior Motorsports. Plus, as if they look at going Cup Series racing and spot racing next year in the Cup Series, well, I know Justin Algar is at the top of the list as far as experience, but Gregson would be the one next ready to move up from a experience level. I'll put it that way. Um, so I think this would be, a, to me, be the breaker, break, make or break year for him with junior motorsports. And I know Mike said that maybe it's already come and gone. We'll have to wait and see. Like I said, all that was implied was that he did have an announcement to make. Uh, it hasn't come yet. Uh, he, I don't remember if he said days or weeks uh, when he did the interview. But he has something. Now, there are some other spots within the Xfinity series. We know Harrison Burton uh, has moved on. And I look at the two of them as kind of the same. They had some wins last year, haven't had the wins. Uh, Burton had a little bit better year with uh, solid throughout the year, whereas Gregson has really come on hot as of late. But haven't either one had a victory yet this year. So Harrison Burton got to move on. I know there's always different reasons, sponsorships or otherwise, uh, that makes that happen, and maybe Gregson doesn't have that. But I don't think Junior has, has given up on Gregson yet. Okay, Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, to me, you know, I, I would tend to agree with Jay, except I, I just I wonder why they would go ahead and get other drivers signed first. I, I, I'm not sure – you know, why that would be, why they would announce Mayer, why they would announce Barry first before re-signing a driver that already exists within the organization. I suppose there's always moving parts to that, such as funding and sponsorship, maybe trying to iron those details out. Maybe that took some time. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Gregson at JR Motorsports has been a fairly good relationship. I know that they have had their ups and downs, you know, with, with trying to settle him in and, and get him to where he's not too aggressive on the racetrack. But um, it seems like it's been a fairly good fit, you know, but I, I don't know. I think the fact that he is uh, winless this year is a bit of a concern. And I you just have to wonder if if maybe that relationship has, has run its course. I don't know. I have my doubts. And um, I, I think that if I'm to choose between him staying in the nine car or moving to another organization, I, I, I got to think maybe moving to another organization is, is on the table. And I don't know that that's a bad thing. Um, you know, sometimes moving to a new team, like, like maybe filling, you know, a vacancy, it, it, I mean, somewhere else, I mean, it could be a better fit for him. You know, I don't think that, um, I don't think he's going to be left rideless, though. I think that, you know, when you look at his funding that he has, he does have family funding. He has, you know, he's been able to bring in Bass Pro Shops and Black Rifle Coffee. Um, he has that relationship with those companies. I, I, he's got funding, and he's in any team, um, you know, trying to stay in business or, or looking to bring in uh, funding and resources would for sure go for a driver that can bring that to the table. Obviously, racing's a business, and teams have to find ways to fund their program. So um, I, 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 he, he's going to find something. But I, I, as time goes on, now that we're getting down to August, later in the season, um, you know, remaining in, in the nine cars seems doubtful at this point. But 
could easily be proven wrong and he could, you know, say that he's coming back and everything remains the same. You just never know. But uh, I would be at this point surprised if he returns to that car next year. Yeah, I I tend to kind of feel the same way. I I just don't see it. Um, And, you know, he's been with Kyle Busch Motorsports. He's been now with Junior Motorsports. He had similar problems at Junior Motorsports as what he had at Kyle Busch Motorsports. Um, And as a team owner, people look at those kind of things. And you wonder uh, who would pick him up. Another thought that kind of struck me as we're talking here is I wonder, and I don't know the answer to this, but I wonder if Noah Gregson would be open to the idea of going back to the truck series. Uh, You know, I could see him fitting in there and doing a good job in the truck series for some team. Which team that would be, I don't know. Uh, But I do think that he would be maybe a better fit in the truck series. Um, I don't see him going to um, the Cup Series. If anything, he's going to stay in the Xfinity Series or the uh, Truck Series. Uh, I'd like to think that maybe he gets one more chance um, with another team. But I honestly don't see him going back to Kyle Busch Motorsports. Um, Or not Kyle Busch, but even with Joe Gibbs Racing uh, that's affiliated with Kyle Busch. Motorsports. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, that's all I can say. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, where he does land. I'm, I'm glad that he's got something going, and I hope it all does work out for him. But uh, I, I'm just struggling to, to see where that might be. Uh, so, Jay, what are your final thoughts? Well, and and that's the good thing. I've been a fan of Noah Gregson. I know, uh, and he hasn't had the most successful year. I, I understand that, and I can hear Mike uh, chiming in here in my head anyway. I don't know if y'all can hear him or not. Um, <laughs> you make some points, but he had he acknowledged that he said that has been his focus this year was to the performance on the track, not necessarily the headlines off. But when you look throughout that as well, and I think it was as Andy was talking about the sponsorship deal. Uh, Junior said never made any statement that he was going to talk to his driver. We never saw any pushback from the sponsor of Bass Pro Shops. Uh, and that might be why, as Andy said, that's when, he, when I thought about it, that this one got announced so late that maybe Junior Motorsports, and this is purely speculation on my part. I know, Sharon, you, you like to hit that. This is definitely all in my head. But if Bass Pro doesn't want to go with another driver such as Sam Mayer or Josh Berry, they said they want to keep Noah Gregson. You know, that's got to push, maybe push the hand of Junior Motorsports to do the fifth team. I really think that's the most logical. However, there are a couple other rides, like Sharon mentioned. Joe Gibbs Racing may have an open spot. We don't know that for sure yet, as they haven't announced all of their situation. Um, but then you're going back to the relationship he had with Toyota and Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, in the truck series. So, that one I don't see as likely. The possibility of, you mentioned the truck series. Uh, that certainly could be a possibility. Uh, ironically, it looks like maybe Kyle Busch Motorsports would be the place to go, but I don't see him going back there. But seeing him do something like what John Hunter Nemechek has of go back there, win races, battle for a championship, and truly display the talent he has that I believe he has, 
The other thing is Cup Series, like I said, I see maybe if he stays with Junior Motorsports getting some starts as they get their toes wet in the Cup Series next year if they do. The other would be to go to a team like Spire Motorsports or one of these other teams that needs a driver with some funding. So uh, there is some opportunities. I'm not going to say they're the best opportunities, but it would secure him a ride as he moves into the Cup Series uh, if he brings that sponsorship with him. Interesting. (laughs) Okay, well... Hopefully we'll hear something soon on that note uh, and where Noah Gregson is going to be for next season. Andy, what do you have for our next hot topic? Well, the next one, um, Sharon, I know this one hits kind of close to home for you, but it's it's talking about a potential repurposing of the Chicagoland Speedway, specifically possibly becoming the home for the Chicago Bears NFL football team. I found that to be... Uh, interesting and perplexing at the same time. So I'm pretty curious to see what you both think about that. Okay, Jay? Yeah, I'll throw another word out there, flabbergasted by it, truthfully, uh, when I first saw it. (laughs) Um, I know that we've seen that tracks have the capability to make a football field inside of the track, but for it to be a permanent home, especially for an NFL team, and I don't know what the situation is there with the uh, Soldier Field, um, or their new location that they were looking at, and I can't remember the name of it. Um, it is intriguing and interesting, but the the one thing I don't like about it is if that's the case, when we talked about Iowa Speedway, they're at least bringing in another series of motorsports racing. If Chicagoland Speedway is having to go towards other sports or other venues, or uh, venues isn't the right word, other activities outside of racing, the more they get away from that and it being utilized as a racetrack, the less hope I have of it returning uh, to the to the series on the schedule in any of the series. So that concerns me a little bit uh, as far as that. Yeah. I found that what I found most perplexing uh, about this storyline is that it's the mayor of Joliet that invited the Chicago Bears to make Chicagoland Speedway uh, their permanent home. Now, right now, it should be noted that right now, so uh, the Bears have, they're working on moving to Arlington Heights to the racetrack out there, uh, and that's a horse racing track. So that's where they're, they're kind of talking about going Uh, But what they're saying is that if they hit a snag in their negotiations there, uh, the Joliet mayor, Bob Odekirk, uh, has invited them to consider Chicagoland Speedway. So, yeah, I I think that's very perplexing that the mayor of Joliet would make that invitation to the Chicago Bears. Um, I don't know if he did it tongue-in-cheek or if he's really serious about it, because they've been talking about going to Arlington Heights for a long time now uh, and to that Arlington racetrack. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, uh, Besides Some of the problems with that idea, the whole transit uh, opportunity, as you guys know, Chicagoland Speedway, or at least Jay knows, uh, is in the middle of cornfields. 
So transportation and transit uh, to the Chicago Hand Speedway, I think, would be a huge stumbling block uh, for the Chicago Bears to come there. Uh, Arlington Heights is a lot more uh, trans transportation accessible, uh, but it's a little more landlocked than Chicago Land Speedway. So there would have to be a huge um, renovation from a transportation perspective uh, for Chicago Land Speedway to be uh, considered. So those are just some of my thoughts about this whole idea. I would rather see Chicago Land Speedway go back to racing uh, than to have the Chicago Bears there. Now, some people in the village of Joliet might love the idea of the Chicago Bears uh, being at the racetrack, but uh, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see if that even comes uh, to pass. I think there's a lot of problems that go along with it and a lot of expenses uh, to make it happen. So, Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's um, Andy. It, it's, it's, okay. It's pretty. It, it, it's interesting for sure. Um, I, you know, it was concerning to me with the removal of the racetrack from the schedule. You hope that that's just temporary. Um, I would hate to see the racing facility just go away. So it's kind of a catch twenty two for me. Um, you know, the fact that they would, you know, continue to have sporting events and, and use the facility means the facility won't go away. But I just feel like if they were to make it the home of an NFL team, I just feel like you're making a transition away from, from motorsports. And um, I, I personally would, wouldn't mind seeing the track back on the schedule. I know that there's pretty heavy talk about a street course coming to Chicago. I don't know if that would be done in lieu of racing at the Chicago and speedway. It's really hard to say. You could argue that you could alternate between the two, maybe season for season. I don't know, but um, you know, we all talk about how much we don't necessarily care for intermediate tracks, but that was one of the most racy tracks as far as intermediates go with its worn out surface and multi grooves. And, you know, I think that it lended itself to some of the, better racing products that we've seen. So um, why it left the schedule in the first place, I really don't know, but I think that, um, you know, it would be nice to see it come back, it, you know, in some capacity someday, whether it alternates with a street course or not, I don't know. But um, I just thought that the move to even suggest having an NFL team there was just intriguing from the standpoint of, you know, the facility stays open. Yes, that's a good thing, but um, troublesome in the sense that it could mean a transition away from motorsports. And I know there's been talk about selling land, I think, around the racetrack and some other things. And I I don't know what the future holds for the facility. I hope that it's positive and it's a good thing. Um, but certainly when you start hearing about using facilities like that for other things, that it, it raises concerns, and, and certainly I hope um, I hope that it comes back on the schedule someday. It's a good racetrack, and, and it has a place, I think, um, even if it means alternating with another track or something. But it, it has a place on the schedule, I think, long term. Jay, your thoughts? Yeah, it, it, going back to that, of none of us understood of why that track came off the schedule to begin with. <laughs> and Sharon, I know you. I was there with you. Uh, we saw Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch go door to door, wheel to wheel, into the wall, slamming and bamming. 
and then shaking hands and hugging in the pit area afterwards in the garage area because it was such great racing. Uh, you know, especially when it comes to people want to say mile and a half tracks can't produce good racing. I mean, that was the one that really did. So we were all astonished by the fact that that one got taken off the schedule. The fact that now we've seen several different stories, Andy mentioned the, the land uh, being sold off and developed differently around it. And then now this football deal, uh, you know, I just, you turn it into a permanent home for a football team. I don't see how you can do that and racing uh, in any way, shape or form. When, when Bristol did it, it was for an off weekend between their two races, one-time deal, just like the, even doing the dirt deal. you got to go back to it being a racetrack. Uh, I think they're going down that road and maybe that they don't feel it is coming back, and, and that bothers me. Um, for the, the city itself, if that's the route it goes, I do hope it is successful and doesn't become a um, – big block of concrete for everybody to look at as they drive by, if you will, uh, that's nothing. So if it's not going to be a racetrack, they're doing the best they can to utilize it however they can. But as a race fan, yeah, I, I want to see it be a, a racing facility uh, of some level. And I, I'm, I'm with Andy. It's got a place on the schedule to get back in. I don't know if a track can survive on the schedule of, you know, a race this year and not for two more years. I don't know if that, they'd be able to withstand that. We've seen that in the past. I mean, that generally is what leads to a, t a track disappearing completely and, and going by the wayside. So, And we have so many new tracks that we want to talk about of, of possibly Gateway. We talked about the other night. Iowa Speedway still hasn't had a cup date. Now, they are at least signing IndyCar to race there as well as still have the Arkham Menard. So I feel that one is more relevant than Chicagoland because we got nothing there. Uh, no. I, you know, I think about Daytona. I remember when they talked about uh, renovating Daytona, they talked about making it available as a multi-purpose uh, facility, meaning that uh, they, want, they were talking about having football games in the middle of Daytona. Uh, I think it was Daytona was the track, uh, because that track is big enough to handle a football field in the middle of it, I suppose, if they wanted to do that. But with the road course, I think that's a little bit less likely. If, if there was a way that they could repurpose Chicagoland Speedway uh, and and uh, put a football field in the middle of it and they could successfully schedule the Bears and NASCAR around everything, uh, then, yeah, I would like to see that. Uh, I, I would like to think there's a way that they could maybe do both, uh, but I think that's probably pie in the sky thinking on my part. To be honest, um, I, I just, I just uh, am disappointed that they they took the racing away from Chicagoland Speedway for all the reasons that you guys said. We've watched them, and it wasn't just the Cup Series race. We watched four great races from the ARCA to the trucks to the Xfinity and the Cup Series. All four races over that weekend were fantastic races uh, with close finishes. And, and Andy, you said it. It was one of the better uh, intermediate tracks. Uh, and why they would take one of their best intermediate tracks off the schedule is just a head-scratcher for me. Um, I, I just still don't understand why they they did that. Uh, 
but there had to be some catch somewhere uh, between NASCAR and what was happening at what's happening at Chicagoland Speedway that caused them to back out. Um, and I'm hugely disappointed by that. Uh, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, now, as I continue to read this article, they say don't count out the idea of the Chicago Bears ending up at Joliet. Uh, they, by the way, earlier in the article, it also said that they have a contract with Soldier Field through the year 2033. Uh, so whether or not they can get something going at the Arlington Racetrack, I don't know. Uh, that would allow them to get out of that that contract. Uh, that would be interesting. Uh, but again, transportation is going to be an issue. Uh, I think for Joliet uh, to have the Chicago Bears there. But um, golly, it, it, it's uh, they've had other things work out for them. Whether or not they can work this out is is just kind of outside of my realm of thinking at this point. But uh, we'll wait and see what happens, Andy. You get the final word here. Yeah, and real quick, I know we're getting down close to 1030. I'll just be about 30 seconds. But I thought as we we trend toward putting new racetracks on the schedule, I kind of wouldn't mind seeing, you know, some track lose second dates in favor of adding – uh, different facilities on there like there's some tracks that probably really don't need two dates and i know that it helps the local economies to have two nascar weekends versus one but from a race fan standpoint i'd like to see diversity and if that means that you know we only go to some places once in favor of re-adding you know say chicago back to uh the market you know in nascar then then i'm all for it and hopefully maybe with the addition and talk about all these new tracks um you know, maybe that'll be something that comes to fruition. Okay. We are at that time of the night uh, that I make an announcement to all of our new listeners that may be tuning in tonight uh, to let you know that we are going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. But we are going to continue our conversation, and we'll continue recording that conversation as part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. So uh, to be able to listen to that, I will go out on Twitter as soon as we finish up here uh, and let you know that the podcast is available. And then at that point, you can go to the player either at Blog Talk Radio or at com, And you can fast forward the player to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So uh, just an FYI there that we are going to continue to record past 1030 and that uh, you can listen to the rest of that conversation uh, via our player. Okay, so with that, uh, Jay, you get the next topic. All right, I'm going to go back up to one. I mean, we've talked about, and I haven't heard any new official, uh, whoops, um, indications uh, we know it's a favorite, but Mike posted something from Reddit, said it was some hard, hard-working detective work. Uh, it says, maybe I'm looking too much into the into this post too much, but Kurt always wears Yeezys. Today he was wearing Jordans. Is that a hint for Kurt to the 2311 team, referencing Kurt Busch and possibly driving a second car for 2311 racing? 
and I hadn't I hadn't truthfully noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andy, your thoughts about Kurt Busch wearing a Jordan's T-shirt? I 100% think he'll be in the second 2311 car. It's been rumored for some time now, and I think one of the bigger clues to that potential signing is the fact that he didn't sign with Trackhouse. I think having, you know, if you're, to be fair, if you're going to choose between existing Ganassi drivers, Kurt Busch or Ross Chastain, as much as I like Ross Chastain, you're probably going to try to sign Kurt Busch. But the fact that they (laughs) went with Chastain and announced it already leads me to believe that Kurt already has a deal in place elsewhere. And to me, that's going to be a, a, 2311 machine next season. It's been talked about for some time now, and I, I think the deal's probably already done, just has yet to be announced. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Andy. I think that uh, this has been the worst kept secret um, of where Kurt Busch is going to go. Uh, unless it's going to be a stunner announcement, uh, I think he's going to go to 2311. Um, and so uh, why wouldn't he wear a Jordan's T-shirt? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. He's trying that he's trying to hint anything, but uh, uh, I do think that uh, that's exactly where he's going. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we've all heard the the heavy discussion of that being the case. I don't know if I agree with Andy's thoughts of of Trackhouse of that eliminating uh, them. I think they're, they were looking at more long-term of the future because we've heard Kurt Busch being possibly retiring every year for, i say, about the past three years. So that in itself uh, makes me wonder, you've got to look at what teams are looking for. Uh, 2311, getting started. Bubba Wallace hasn't had the, the greatest of year. Uh, new team. They do have the Toyota Joe Gibbs Racing Resources, though. So I think maybe that veteran for one year, maybe two, what they're looking for track house on the other hand came in with daniel suarez and was already on top of their game looking for a driver to sign long term and build the future around so i think that's why they went with ross chastain uh if if i were to be looking at it from the outside in second off is the sponsorship and i know andy said it i think a deal is done because kurt has alluded to that a couple of times of again just not ready to announce it and we never know what the what the holdup on that is, especially when it's something that's been known since uh, May or earlier in the case of Keselowski. What holds that up? But I think they're just waiting for that right time and opportunity uh, to announce it. I don't know if that would coincide with maybe going to Las Vegas uh, when they go there, uh, Kurt's hometown or something. Not real sure, but I do think that – I still hold out a little bit of hope for Matt DiBenedetto uh, and his relationship with Hamlin, but I'm with you guys. I think this has kind of been all but signed. If it's not signed, it's just waiting on the on the, the signatures, uh, the finalization, because, yeah, there's been so much heavy talk about it. Now, the curious thing is how they go about it, uh, acquiring that second um, charter if they do, but we also mentioned they said they were willing to do so uh, without the charter, if the sponsorship was there, and that's where I think Monster Energy and Kurt Busch's relationship comes into play. Yeah, Andy, your follow-up. Uh, no real follow-up, but I would I tend to agree with you, Sharon. I think it probably is 
one of those worst kept secrets that when it is made official, it'll simply be a formality. So I'm looking forward to it. I think that for uh, a growing organization like 2311 uh, to bring in someone with the caliber of Kurt Busch to maybe help mentor Bubba Wallace and help, you know, uh, grow the performance of that team, it would be a really good thing. So I, I hope that that's what happens. I think it would be a, uh, a pretty cool opportunity for the team and for Kurt Busch as well. So uh, certainly looking forward, forward to that being uh, a reality at some point. Maybe we're way off way off base and they've got something out of left field that they'll announce and surprise everyone. I don't know, but um it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's funny that you say that uh Andy because that's exactly where my head was going. I've got a feeling that there is going to be a little bit of a stunner uh to this announcement and I think that uh, you know, we were talking about Noah Gregson earlier. What if that's who they're going to bring in and they have somebody like Kurt Busch who's kind of uh, had the same trajectory of career that um, Noah Gregson's on to some extent, um, and they're bringing him in to mentor Noah Gregson, and then it's Bubba Wallace that's the odd man out uh, going somewhere. I don't know. That would be a stunner to me. <laughs> Um, but it just occurred to me that that could be a possibility, and perhaps that's what they're waiting on, uh, is for that announcement to happen first. Um, interesting stuff, but, uh, yeah, it, it, we were wondering what took so long for Brad Keselowski's uh, piece to be announced, and then now that they've announced it, I didn't see anything that would have held up that announcement. Uh, but... Uh, it's interesting as to why it's taken so long for this announcement to come out, but that's thinking out of the box and, you know, but I, I've just got a feeling there just might be a stunner that goes along with this announcement. So Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I've been known to have some wild thoughts in my head and, and Noah Gregson teaming up with Denny Hamlin in 2311 was not one of them. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> nope, me either. That uh, would be <laughs> interesting. I, you know, yeah. Now, now it's really in there and rattling around. Like, really, is that even a possibility? No, I, I do. I think, like I said, I think Matt DiBenedetto's got to be up there. And then we've talked about it several times of John Hunter Nemechek uh, with his ties with Toyota. That being mm, a possibility, a strong. To me, that is a strong possibility if they were to skip over Kurt Busch as a previous champion. Matt DiBenedetto is one that is talented and just hasn't gotten the victory. But then coming down to John Hunter Nemechek, uh, as much as I would like to see Noah Gregson in that, uh, I just don't see that, I guess. But we never know all the inside details to that. Uh, Like you mentioned, uh, you know, similar uh, path as maybe Kurt Busch of going through those brash young years and we've seen it from kevin harvick and kyle bush so we know it can be done um which but i think that's where maybe junior motorsports still holds on to him for that year and says okay he showed that maturity this year maybe we'll hold on to him one more year and see what happens but uh i really expected these dominoes as one fell the bigger ones brad keselowski to see more of this happen a little bit quicker and we just haven't seen so I'm not sure if that goes back to the sponsorship deal, the COVID deal. We're still battling with that. So sponsorships may be uh, hedging their bets, if you will, on that. 
because a lot of what they do is with promotions at the track. And if NASCAR can't provide that due to protocol, uh, you know, I know they got to do what they got to do in order to survive that maybe that's where sponsorship is playing a, a stronger role in that of, Hey, we're not going to commit to this if we can't have our people at the track or do our promotions at the track like we have in the past. Yeah, I like your thought, though, about John Hunter Nemechek coming to 2311 uh, to work with Kurt Busch. That would be interesting. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> uh, we've got time, Andy, if you've got another hot topic. Yeah, I, I want to talk about um, the the prospect of this weekend, specifically the fact that this is the cutoff race going into the playoffs. It's a super speedway. And, you know, the prospect of does somebody outside the top 16 win and bump somebody out, or do we see somebody that's already in the playoffs uh, win this race and therefore the last spot comes uh, available on points? Curious what people think about that. Okay, Jay? Uh, yeah, it's a possibility. I mean, what <laughs> what more can you say? <laughs> there, There is such a wide range. We know it's possible. Uh, we've seen it. We've seen non-playoff eligible drivers win races. We've seen some stunners, uh, if you want to call it that, of Michael McDowell winning the Daytona 500. So there is a wide range of possibilities. I think there's three storylines to me to look at. You got the battle between Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin for the regular season championship. You got a points battle between Austin, uh, not Austin Sindrick, Austin Dillon and teammate Tyler Reddick. And then if that new winner comes, bumping both of them out. And that story has, uh, what did we read, Sharon? I think 11 different drivers or something that really do have that chance. Uh, you know, you're in it, you're in it, you survived through to the end, you got a shot at it. So, yes, there are some, some heavy favorites, if you will. We've seen that in the past of restrictor plate, or I said restrictor plates, aren't it? Super speedway uh, drivers that seem to excel at that style of racing but then also if that big one happens or any little hiccup of you hook your teammate in the final lap uh could open the door for anybody so certainly interesting off the top of my head of ones that i think could pull it off that aren't in and i know race hub has been running their their uh fan vote on it you got to look at austin Dillon, and not only is he in that points battle we know we know he can win uh at daytona Bubba Wallace is a good restrictor plate racer, and, and they need that good run, and they've been running good as of late. I think Ross Chastain is another one. You can't count out Ricky Stenhouse, and I miss – oh, Matt DiBenedetto. I, those are my top five, I think, that you got to look at if you're going to look at one coming other than an absolute out of the blue. I think those are five that really got to be considered favorites or solid dark horses, if you will. Uh, and Chris Busher, I mean, there's six. I, I just, there is so many possibilities, but I do think there are three different storylines to watch there. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of storylines. I throw Eric Almaroli into that group of uh, drivers outside the top 16 uh, that could potentially win, even though he's already uh, part of the top 16 by virtue of his uh, earlier win. Uh, Eric Amarola is also a very good uh, um, 
super speedway driver. So I do think uh, he's another possibility in addition to all the ones that Jay mentioned. Uh, Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick, I just got a bad feeling that those two are going to take each other out. (laughs) And neither one of them are going to end up making it. Uh, I could be wrong about that. But I think that there is a very, and this again is pure speculation on my part, but I think that there is a very uh, heavy competition between those two drivers, both coming from RCR. Uh, And I think Austin Dillon wants to be on top. Um, And if Tyler Reddick makes it and he doesn't, uh, I, I don't know that there's going to be hard feelings there. I know there's going to be hurt feelings there. Um, but um, uh, I, I just, uh, it's going to be interesting. Austin Dillon's a good pick as somebody uh, who could potentially win this because uh, he's certainly good on the super speedways. Uh, but I think Tyler Reddick uh, is possibly really good too. But when we looked at those average finishes of the top 16, Jay, I didn't see anybody who was really good with their average finish. Uh, well, that's, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Nobody had a really good average finish in that group. Andy, what, what are your thoughts? Well, this is like last year. I think that, you know, this is going to be a wild and crazy race and this is, what NASCAR was going for certainly is, you know, to add a really exciting race to finish out the regular season. Um, but, you know, I think it's even more critical this year, maybe even more so than last year, because there's only one spot available, you know, and right now Tyler Reddick holds that spot. But, you know, anyone can win this race, and therefore anyone can, can win their way in. And I believe that would be uh, 16 different winners this year, which is pretty incredible. We all wondered if that would be a factor, and it could still be a factor, um, you know, if someone is able to do that. Um, it's really hard to put a name, you know, on who's going to win this thing, and that's what makes it makes it exciting. And you have to believe that anyone from 30th to 17th in points that, you know, hasn't won, obviously, they're they're going to be going for broke because nothing else matters. The only thing that matters is – either contending to win this race or leaving on the hook, you know, really, because mm-hmm. if you finish second and if you're 18th in points and you finish second, it, you're still out of it. So, you know, I think that the aggressiveness may be more than we've seen. I think you'll see some pretty crazy moves in a lot of torn up race cars this weekend, which is unfortunate, but it is the nature of this style of racing with the pressure on the line of making the playoffs. And it's a huge deal to make the playoffs from a sponsor and exposure standpoint, um, big deal, you know, to try to get your team in. And so I think that you got to go for it and you got to be aggressive. And when there's more aggressiveness, you know, on a super speedway, it, it lends itself to some bit, uh, bedlam for sure. So um, I think it's going to be pretty crazy and I'm hope, look, certainly looking forward to it. Um, it it's uh it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty exciting, and I do believe that you will see somebody win their way in. I can't put a finger on who because I think any any of them are capable at a super speedway, but I think someone's going to shock the world and win, and, and someone's going to be knocked out, and uh, it's it's going to be pretty exciting to watch. Okay, Jay. 
That's yeah, becoming I don't a know if I have that thing. Okay, Jay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if if my feeling of a new winner is that strong based on some of the drivers we have seen. Uh, it would depend on those final laps as we saw. Um, not just at Michigan. I know Michigan's not a super speedway, but it is a two-mile track. That some of these drivers, uh, solid drivers, stay out of trouble. Denny Hamlin, uh, and he was my pick of right now, probably has to be considered one of the best super speedway uh, racers. You got Chase Elliott, William Byron, actually all at Team Hendrick for that matter, the speed they've had, the speed Matt DiBenedetto had. And Andy mentioned that of the intensity of different things, of spots in the playoffs, the momentum going forward just to start with into the playoffs, but the spot for the playoffs, but also a driver like Matt DiBenedetto is twofold. Of, you're also talking about driving for a ride for next year, you know, the, those final chances uh, to show, showcase your stuff. Um, right. Uh, I lost the name. Ryan Newman, another one that, and we know how close he was to winning the Daytona 500. He's looking for a ride. We know he's a restrictor plate driver and can be in position at the right time. Uh, Isn't one that we even mentioned uh, that certainly has a chance. So, yeah, all that combined, I think we are going to see a wreck fest, uh, unfortunately, if you want to take it that route, uh, more so than any other uh, Daytona race we've seen. But you can't blame them because there is so much on the line, so much intensity for different reasons. Yeah, I agree with you. And, Andy, I just want to make a correction. We don't have 16 different winners because Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick have not won yet this year. So um, I think there's three drivers now, is it, that haven't won, or is it still four? Oh, that's a good point, Jerry. Thanks for – Thanks for uh, thank, thanks for correcting me. That is correct that uh, some have clinched based on points. There's just one spot left up for grabs. So yeah, that is a good point. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, I do think that um, anybody it it could be anybody it, it, that could win this race if if somebody can survive the wreck and um, uh, make their way, you know. To, to the end and, and finish this thing and win it, they're, they're going to be in it. And that's the thing. Uh, you don't know whether to be aggressive or whether to just bide your time and try to just make it through to the end. Um, I hate it when that happens, to be honest with you, because I want to see drivers out there really racing uh, all, all day long. But I, um, uh, it's just an unknown. I, to me, it's an unknown uh, because of just the nature of Daytona racing and super speedway racing. But here's one thing to kind of keep in mind about this weekend, too. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe NASCAR's already made the decision. Haven't they put the different spacer in there that's going to slow the cars down at Daytona? So That, that is they, correct, yes. They don't. Yeah, so that they don't have them turning over. So that's going to have an impact on this race, too. Uh, so somebody who may have been good uh, with the fast race cars, maybe with this new spacer, maybe they're not going to be as good as they have been in the past at Daytona. I don't know if that's going to be a factor or not, uh, but I thought it was worth mentioning in all of this as well. So just just some of my final thoughts about Daytona. It's anybody's 
to it's anybody's race to win uh, because just about anybody can could win it uh, this weekend. Andy. <clears throat> Yeah, I would agree. I don't have any real follow-up per se, but I definitely think that, um, you know, anyone can win this thing and, and get themselves into the playoffs for sure. Okay. Uh, Jay, if you've got another topic, we've got a couple more minutes here. Well, I know it was being discussed there. Uh, if you want me to bring it up, I will. Um Okay. Now I was going to pull up the actual article. Uh, Cup Series director, uh, let me find it. Here we go. Uh, Jay Fabian, and I believe he's the director of NASCAR Cup Series operations, has stepped aside while he faces, and I don't know if it's a criminal charge. I was trying to see where it said charges of, of anyway, of willful neglect of his dogs. Uh, this is from Bob Pockris. Fabian's offense was for willful neglect of his dogs. One of the dogs died after being deprived of all necessary sustenance in order to live or in which to live. Second dog also deprived of necessary sustenance and another one uh, extremely dehydrated and starved. This happened apparently on Wednesday, July 21st, and the issue was warrant, uh, warranted. The warrant was issued, sorry, on Friday, August 20th, and he was arrested on Monday. Monday on animal cruelty charges. And so Jay Fabian has stepped aside and NASCAR has said they will fill the position by several different people in NASCAR's competition department. Fabian oversaw the cup garage in his position. Okay. Uh, This is one of those topics that's not comfortable for any of us, uh, but it is something that is in the news. Uh, and is a hot topic. So, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I just it's uh, it's unfortunate, really. Um, as someone like myself who happens to love dogs and love animals in general, I certainly find the news disheartening. Uh, that being said, um, you know we'll wait and see what the uh, what the verdict is. Uh, innocent till proven guilty, right? So, I guess we'll we'll just kind of leave it at that. But certainly. My own personal opinion is there's no tolerance for animal cruelty, and um, you know I, I I hope that the allegations aren't true, but if they are, then you know there will be a price to pay. So I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, uh, you know I I love dogs as well, and I just can't imagine someone willfully uh, doing that to any animal. Um, but like you said, Andy, we don't know all the details. Um, so we've got to kind of wait this out until more information becomes available. But uh, uh, it certainly is sad news to hear. And, um, you know, we, we just have to wait for the, the news to come out and what's actually happened here. But I feel bad for those animals for sure. Jay? I know when uh, I referenced uh, the Eddie DeHaunt story, when that broke, uh, yes, we report on racing news as it happens. This does affect racing. I'm not going to be TMZ and do a judgmental situation on it. Uh, You know, my feelings aside on that, I look at what NASCAR is doing. They're following their protocol, which I think is a good thing. Um, They haven't made any judgment. He's temporarily out, 
and it said he stepped aside whether NASCAR asked him to or not. And I know we went through this as well with uh, Brian France. Uh, that's a personal situation. I don't uh, like what I'm hearing from it, but I'm not going to be the one to judge on that. That'll be through the court system. What I look at is NASCAR, how that affects them, especially right now in this part of the season. Uh, I know just like when we talk about a, a team having to replace a crew chief, yeah, the depth they have can be managed. In this case, they said they're going to have it managed by several people. Uh, I hope that works out for the best for them, that this doesn't put them in a bind where they're losing a key personnel, especially here during the playoffs, and how they handle that. Uh, so that would be where my focus would be moving forward. Once the story is complete, uh, then, again, I know people are going to take sides, if you will. Uh, I try to stay away from that. Uh, again, that's, I have absolutely zero details on it, not being personally involved with it. Andy? Yeah, I mean, I can only really echo what what the both of you have said. So um, we'll just kind of have to wait and see what happens, and uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll I guess talk about it at that time. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I can't really have, really have anything to add uh, to that. Uh, uh, we're not making any judgment on Jay Fabian uh, because we don't know all the details about Jay Fabian and this particular situation. Uh, but, uh, you know, Jay, if you've got some final thoughts on it, then you can. Well, Sharon, I was going to say, we've talked about football and we've talked about baseball of coming from left field. Maybe, uh, maybe Noah Gregson's uh, decision of the future isn't about racing, driving a car. Maybe it's taking over a position in NASCAR. Oh, it's so silly. <laughs> Oh, my. Well, that was a passing thought through your mind. (laughs) Okay, so um, you never know what can happen, but uh, I doubt if that's going to happen. Not at at this point. We've seen drivers take positions in the past, but, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen at this point in his career. (laughs) No. Okay, so... Uh, we're coming up to the top of the hour, so let's go ahead and do our roundtable. Andy, we'll start with you. Yeah, on Twitter, um, at CB14Fan, and uh, just want to say, as always, grateful to be on the show tonight. I think that might be like three consecutive shows I've done, so that's probably a record this summer. <laughs> but, um, yeah, glad to be on here tonight and, and really looking forward to this weekend. I don't know if I'll be able to watch tomorrow night, but I should be able to watch Cup Saturday night. We all know how crazy it's all going to be, and Daytona always provides a lot of entertainment for us, so I look forward to that and uh, pretty excited about uh, seeing who uh, may be able to win their way into the playoffs. Okay, Jay. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, believe it or not, I think I have a weekend off here completely from dirt track racing. So hopefully get to watch a couple of these races live, not via the radio, uh, back and forth to the track or on replay when I get home. And I had one other thought, and I don't remember what it was. Probably one I shouldn't share anyway, so I'll, I'll end there. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, I am oh, no. racing site on. Go ahead. No, it was the the Jay Hoosman Cup. Uh, hiring Noah Gregson as the fight director. 
infield fight director. That's what it was. Oh, there you go. There you go. Okay. Uh, I am Banff Racing site on Twitter and Banff Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including BanffRacing.com. Uh, and uh, we do have the recaps up after the races, uh, as well as uh, – the recap from Sam Bornholz, one of our fan for racing crew members. And uh, we're looking forward to the weekend of racing. I've got previous engagement for tomorrow night, but I'll definitely be watching on Saturday night uh, and uh, kind of anxious to see how this all plays out on Saturday night. I just hope everybody is safe uh, and that we don't have any injuries on either night. Uh, so uh, we we'll also want to do a shout out to all of our listeners for tuning in and to our fan for racing crew for all that you guys do. Andy, we're so happy to have you here for the last uh, three shows, and we hope that trend continues uh, for as long as possible. Absolutely. I always try to be on when I can. We're certainly uh, gotten in the way a bit this summer, but uh... – yeah, especially as we get down into the playoffs, it's always fun to be on here and kind of see how things unfold moving forward with the season. So, um, yeah, looking forward to doing as much as I can to close out the year. And uh, keep that uh, September 2nd date in mind uh, because I think Jay's going to be unavailable, and I'm hoping that you're able to, to step in for that. Do you have your September schedule yet? Um, I do work that day, so that's going to be questionable, but that is the last day of a work sequence, and so I'm going to have to say to be determined on that. I, I am working that day, so it's pretty hard to say at this point. Okay, so I'll work on a backup plan just in case. <laughs> okay, so with that, guys, uh, I think we'll call it a night. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys your weekend of race. All right, have a good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. See you on the other side. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.